I'm Hollywood Steve. You've caught me reaching a podcasting milestone. Holy shit. Holy shit. Episode 50, boys. Wow. We've been at this for about a year. We've created around 40 new genres. Yeah. We became experts in yacht rock. Finally. Learned about the importance of Jay Graydon. Evolved his nickname from fucking to pooping. And we've won over the hearts of six to 7,000 listeners, a number that is still growing. Thank Un- you. Unbelievable. And after all those years of missing Monday Night Record Club for work, and rarely getting control of the turntable because I'm a CD guy, I've finally gotten even with all you guys by torturing you repeatedly with obscure music that only I can stomach, plus a few other weirdos that listen to us. This episode is dedicated to all the Yacht Rock captains of fandom and toe dippers out there who love the work we've done. Thank you. Who's shown up to support our podcast. Yeah. And who often ask, what are your favorite Yacht Rock songs? We're going to answer that today. Finally. We're wrapping up season one of Beyond Yacht Rock with our favorite Yacht Rock. Here we go. I did not have it on shuffle today, boys. All right. Oh, Everything's finally getting the hang of this. 50, 50 episodes, episodes in. It's a very JD, special episode indeed. JD learns how to push his computer buttons. <laughs> this is the Beyond Yacht Rock podcast. We create musical genres and we count them down. It's episode 50, which is means Yacht Rock on the 10s. We're doing our favorite Yacht Rock today. My name is J.D. Riznar. Over there is Hollywood Steve. Oh, hi. I'm Hollywood Steve. We did that before, didn't As we? As a bit. Yeah. David Lyons. Uh, hello. I'm David Lyons. Mr. Hunter. And this is still Hunter, and I still don't have anything clever to say. <laughs> that was clever. That's your fault. Okay, so every episode, even though this one's entirely about Yacht Rock, we still like to throw a bone to the Yacht Rock genre. And this song is a little song by Pages called The Sailor Song. Wow. I polled our Twitter followers recently to find out what Yacht Rock thing blew their minds the most in 2016, and the overwhelming common thread was pages. I discovered them right alongside with all of you, and it answered a lot of questions for me, especially, hey, who is that who sounds like Michael McDonald singing background vocals in this Kenny Loggins song? It wasn't Michael McDonald. No, it was the Pages. Yeah. The Pages fellas. Both of them. So we, we talk about Pages a lot on the show, and I feel like they're very important Yacht Rock troupe. And when an important Yacht Rock troupe performs a song that's actually about sailing... You gotta pay it tribute. Yeah, I'd actually been thinking about bone throwing this one, but it seemed too yacht. Like we should save it for a special occasion like this one, or if we ever assemble the Yacht Rock songs actually about sailing list that we've been threatening. This would make it. This would definitely make it. That was a spoiler alert. Threat? Yes. I never I never felt threatened. Well, no, you threatened that's because us you don't understand rock. the full power of that list. Uh-huh. It's gonna hmm. melt minds. So this song starts with the line, Red sky in morning, sailor take warning. And you should be warned when starting the song out because this is an unusual yacht rock song. It starts smooth and easy, perfecto yacht rock, and then it gets super discordant. Like, listen to this part. It's one of the weirdest, and it also has one of the weirdest choruses I've ever heard. And then it eases back into smooth. If we were to speculate that Yacht Prog exists, it would sound something like this. Which is pretty I, much I speculate jazz. that Yacht Prog exists. Yeah, these guys, Ambrosia. Mm. Okay. Yeah, uh, Prog and Proto uh, more. There's have more. a lot of crossover, I think. 
Yeah, this breakdown where it takes it easy for a second, then it barfs into a synth solo. It's followed by this guitar solo by Charles Icarus Johnson. Charles Johnson is an interesting guy to talk about. He was a page. He was Page's Steve Lukather, and he worked with a lot of jazz guys. He was he was on Jarreau's live album, so he was probably touring with Jarreau. But then he became a conservative blogger with his little <laughs> oh boy. football's blog. Uh, did you? And then he flew too close to the ide- ideological sun, like and, Icarus. Yeah, and had a change of heart, and now. He's a liberal blogger. Oh, oh so now he's the Ariana Huffington of pages. The uh, opposite of Dennis Miller. But there's another Charles Johnson who's an in, he's an infamous conservative blogger. He's like a nerd who grew a beard to look cooler. Yeah, he goes by Chuck too. Yeah. Send that send that Charles Johnson your butthole pictures and leave Pages Icarus alone. Uh, so this is from Pages' second album, Future Street. It's not their yachtiest, but definitely yachty. No personnel of note other than Kenny Loggins, who writes Who's Right, Who's Wrong, and helps out, uh, helps sing in it. Uh, and finally, Richard Page and Steve George went on to form Mr. Mister, which we all know at this point, if you've been paying attention. But what I didn't realize is that their goal was to ditch the session musician model and stick with a fixed four-piece actual band. So they really turned their back on the spirit of Yacht Rock. They right? really did. You want to you wanna hear a fact that I dug up uh, about, a, about them turning their back? Richard Page was offered the job of replacing Bobby Kimball in Toto, and he said no. I'm going to go make another band called Mr. Mister, and it's going to be better than yours. And they had two hits. Yep. <laughs> totally worth it. Let's, count, let's talk about our favorite Yacht Rock songs. Yeah. Okay. So, wrapping up the year right. This is the Doobie Brothers that keeps you running, and what exactly keeps keeps you running in this Doobie song is unclear, but what keeps us running on this podcast mm-hmm. is the fact that you goofball listeners keep showing up, keep participating, and thanks to you, we continue to grow as a podcast. So and it's as gonna, people. Yeah, it's going to keep us running through at least 50 more episodes of this crazy show. And before we really get into it, any anyone want to say anything about the first season? Highs, lows, remember whens, things that blew your mind? Any looking back? Looking forward? Uh, well, I can't even measure how much I've learned this year. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, what I knew about Yacht Rock, I thought I knew, and you could just about squeeze it in a fucking thimble. Mm-hmm. And learning more every episode. It's yeah, fantastic. That, that was the whole point of the podcast. Like, when we did that hour on serious radio. Not this year, but last year, yeah, obviously. Right. My mind was blown at how much I had learned research, researching just those ten songs, and I wanted to keep that train going. Well, I just listened back to my first couple bone throws, and I wasn't entirely sure what I was doing, and I wasn't trying very hard. I didn't really know what we were supposed to be doing. Uh, now I pick out—I I can pick out a Graydon-esque solo with the best of them. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised, and I learned that we like to talk about dicks a lot. That, that it, was surprising. That was came well, that was you no know, the amount—the amount. I—I gotta be. The amount—the amount. You mean like the girth? Yeah, it was it was the it was heft? it was surprising even for me and I hang the out with you guys. The amount of that comes out of them. Yeah, there was, I was I was surprised at how much people hate jizz jokes. I mean, I like jizz jokes, but maybe not that many loads right on top of one another. See, that's the thing. I feel like if you like one jizz joke, you're gonna like all of them at one time. It's a bu- like a bukkake of jizz jokes. That's like wearing it's like wearing a jizz hat on top of a jizz hat. <laughs> Anywho, they're gonna get stuck together. Uh, I personally, this podcast, I'm thrilled to have an outlet for this repository of music knowledge that I built up over the years. Uh, that was pretty much going to waste since I stopped writing music reviews to make an actual living. Um, 
I said this at the Comic-Con panel, I'll say it again for the people who didn't bother to listen to that. Being a music nerd means knowing the answers to a lot of questions nobody's ever going to ask you, and so you have to bring them to the people, and even if I don't think the people will actually enjoy those, uh, everything I put on the show this year is something that I don't want to be forgotten. I wanted to see the light of day, I hope people will actually go and listen to it, and at least marvel at it in one way or another, and I hope that I've done that. I'm marveling that that might be one of the shortest paragraphs you've ever written in red. Congratulations, Steve. Thank you very much. Um, I went to Amoeba for the first time since we started the podcast a couple months ago, and it was an entirely different experience flipping through the dollar bins. It's like, oh, shit, Terrence Boylan. Who? Nicol- Boona. <laughs> yeah. Nicolette Larson's Radio Land. Al Jarreau produced by Jay Graydon. Woo! Like, my world's totally opened up, and my music collection is growing. I bought the Airplay album off eBay from Japan. Yeah. Yeah, I, I picked up that uh, Rare Bear Bill Champlin. It seemed to surprise you guys. You, you also picked up Atomic Rooster and Lucifer's Friend after the Hard Organ episode. That's right, I did. <laughs> as much as I fight it, Steve, you're in my head and in my heart. Don't fight it, Dave. It'll do your head and heart so good. So um, so we're going to count down our 12 fa- current favorite Yacht Rock songs. It changes all the time, but at this moment in time, these are the 12. Uh, and the 12 songs have been, the order has been chosen randomly, except for number one, which I could not bear to let not be number one. Oh, uh, it's so fucking obvious. <laughs> Boring. Number 12. As long as the number one isn't Mariah Carey, I'm going to be fine with it. (laughs) Oh, well, we've heard this one before. Um, This is Kenny Loggins' Heart to Heart. Uh, To me, this was 100 on the Yatsky scale. You have Foster, Loggins, and McDonald's writing. Marty Page on strings. That's the the elder Page. David's dad. Uh, Page is on background. Polina DaCosta and Lenny Castro on percussion. McDonald on Rhodes. Foster on Grand Piani. David Sanborn on the saxophone. Gee, total whopper lineup. A severe lack of Toto on this. You, you only have Pappy Page on this. You don't have any. You don't have the Toto Page. Uh, David. The, the young and Page. I like I like Pappy Page so much. I'll forgive you for saying Piani. I have a theory. I, when did that become a bit? What saying piano bit? I don't. It's not. How does it does not, evolve? Does I don't, not fit this at all. I like it. You leave Hunter alone. I have a theory I want to share. I think because <laughs> I, 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 I think I think Loggins didn't like Toto and Toto didn't like Loggins. You don't see a lot of Toto on Loggins songs. You don't. You see a few pieces of yeah. it again, but I, I, I don't think Loggins could rock on his own. He didn't need sort of a rocking band, so yeah. you don't. You didn't have that. He, he needed everything else. Um, so right off the top, you have that bounce, then the dip into soft log territory. Uh, Foster really doesn't get get onto the action to the pre-chorus flourishes. And right now we're in the in the chorus. You get Loggins' breathy vocals. Yeah, it's just beautiful, and it comes together in this chorus to form what I think, especially that that chorus is just perfect yacht. You ain't crazy. I ain't gonna lie anymore. This High Adventure album is my favorite Loggins album, hands yeah. down. It, yeah. it captures his soul perfectly. It's got this great mix of pop rock and yacht rock, and it's good to know that the log was so capable of pure yacht rock like this song as late as 82. 
terrible cover though. All of his co- <laughs> yeah. all his covers are terrible. Yeah, this I'm, one is trying to do an Indiana Jones thing. Not, yeah, yeah, it's so stupid. If I if I were Loggins and I got a chance to go back in time and change one thing, it'd be my album covers. But it's absolutely a crucial album. I mean, it was the start of his uh, hard rocking hits, "Don't Fight It" and "Swear Your Love." Uh, both hit songs from the album. Kind of a taste of more to come. Yeah, Started. well, he had some a little bit of rocking before that. Well, he did the Caddyshack soundtrack song before that. Indeed. That was pretty rocking. Yeah. Um, I, so two things that get overlooked on this is one, you can't really hear it right now, but at that opening part during the verses, you hear that thumping heartbeat bass, which is genius because this song's called Heart to Heart. Mm-hmm. To think about it. Mm-hmm. You don't hear it right now, but anyways. Uh, yeah, and that's Derek Jackson. Uh, this is his only credit I could find, which is a shame because it's a, hey, genius move on that. I, I found a little bit more information on Derek Jackson. Oh, did you? Know? Yeah, he was a gospel bass player. Like all of his all of his credits that I found were like gospel this and Reverend this guy's band. Uh, so I can only assume he was an, a renowned gospel bass player. Okay. Uh, maybe brought in by Loggins or uh, more likely his uh, his producer was it Bill Botnick, Bruce Botnick. Why do you think Bruce Botnick brought him? Because he was the producer, and he only appeared on one of Kenny's logins. Two, if you count a greatest hits album that had this song on it. Bruce Botnick. Uh, the other thing that was overlooked is David Sandberg's sax solo, Here which we're listening yeah. to right now, which is just pure release. I mean, this is this is a song about a fool getting divorced, and it needed this scream right here. Uh, yacht sax isn't as common as you might think it is. Most often, is it makes the song a little too jazzy or too boogie woogie or too sultry. Sometimes, usually when it's done right, it's done by David Sanborn, yeah. who at one time made yacht rock for elevators and still does. Yeah, so mm-hmm. well, yeah. yeah, smooth jazz. Well, he's yeah. a fucking saxophone monster. I mean, he played sax on Born to Run. And when you're when you when you have Clarence Clemens, you're like, let's bring a little more sax. That's who you fucking get. He also uh, did some stuff with David Bowie. Yeah, listen yeah, to Doobie Bounce in this song. Boop, It's great. And and that Doobie Bounce that you really hear is the last thing. Beat per minute basis. No song brings out the white man's overbite. No yacht rock brings out the white man's overbite with such strength as heart to heart. From note one. White dudes just instinctively bring every facial feature as close to their nose as humanly as po- possible. It's like they can smell the beatings three days old, and they just start going. Sorry, Steve, I jumped. You have more to say about David Sanborn? Oh yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say that there's there's part of what makes this song so great. Like one of one of Kenny's biggest classics is there's so many points where it builds tension and it threatens to explode, but then it takes things in a completely different direction than you'd expect. And that's why you need David Sanborn in there doing some throat growls up in that altissimo range. So call back to episode one, sultry hits. <laughs> yeah, Tim Capello. Oh, this is also one of the most glaring omissions from the web series, if you ask me. Number 11. I thought Dave was going <laughs> to give you a fist bump for that, but he's looking for a bottle opener. I was asking for a bottle opener, but I'll, I'll give you a fist bump. What the hell? Don't do it. There, there was a fist bump. Uh, number 11, Christopher Cross, Ride Like the Wind. And guys, it amazes me when we talk about Christopher Cross, we end up having a very hard time trying to define his Yacht Rock characteristics because he doesn't quite fit, but he fits so well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's like the exception that makes the rule. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to hear the influence of R&B or jazz in his music a lot of the time, but, but yet it's somehow still 
the epitome of yacht rock anyway. Yeah, he somehow just breaks the yacht rock rules, but is still yacht rock. This like this song is like way too dramatic. There's mm-hmm. so much drama yeah. going on, but it still it still works as yacht yeah. rock. And, and Michael it, McDonald's background vocals help a right lot. Right here, such a long way to go. Infamous, yeah. Uh, you know, upon first listen, it's kind of heavy. It's like a little closer to the Toto line. Uh, that's probably why I like it so much because I like Toto. Um, but I want to start with the origin of the song. Back when Criss Cross was playing cover songs in bands, they played the Wings song 1985. Anyone that plays in a, you know, the same song over and over again, you're going to get bored and start sort of improving, especially when it's as boring as 1985 by Wings. One of the things Cross did to cover this song is to start singing ba da 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 ba ba, except he did it right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it became the foundation for this song. And he grew up in Texas. He ran around with Billy Gibbons and Stevie Ray Vaughan and even filled in for Richie Blackmore on Deep Purple's first American tour. That's Hard Organ. Yeah. Yeah. Christopher Cross and Hard Organ? Yeah. Who's, it's a match uh, made in heaven. Who's, is it Jack Lord? No, John Lord. John Lord. Uh, says he doesn't remember it, but it's true. Christopher it's, Cross yeah, it's out there on the web, the yeah. World Wide Web. Um, but uh, <laughs> that means it's true. According to Christopher Cross, he didn't have the words to this song, but he was heading to Houston to record his first album. It was a beautiful Texas day, so he decided to drop some acid. Oh. He remembered the Western movies of his youth where the Mexican border had this uh, sort of anarchistic allure of freedom from the authorities. And basically, he wrote the song while he was tripping his tits off. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. I, I, I think that tripping tits should be the new expression that replaces tripping balls. Yeah, yeah. man. We were camping at Joshua Tree last weekend. I was tripping tits, bro. Yeah, it works. It's a great, it's a great uh, term for a, a post-feminist world. Yeah, yeah. And it has alliteration. Does post-feminist mean it's also currently feminist? Because uh, the problems haven't been solved. Yeah, I think it depends on your own point of view of feminism. I'd say yes. Tripping tits. Yeah. You're welcome, ladies. Mm-hmm. You know, some someone might say Christopher Cross is the greatest vocalist in Yacht Rock because he's sassy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I hear the sass on this. He is extremely sassy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that I think that I think that's really important. You hear that sass? Mm-hmm. Sass is important. It's a form of sarcasm. Yep. Sass, sarcasm, yacht Listen rock. to him. He's sassy. Listen to this. I know. I get it. He's sassy. Who produced this album? Because that's one of the most important things that makes this yacht rock. Michael O'Mardian. Yep. Um, And Michael Mardian was working with Steely Dan, or was in Steely Dan at the time, as much as anyone other than Walter and Donald can be in Steely Dan, as was Michael McDonald. And Michael uh, called up Michael and said, hey, come check out what this kid in the studio's doing. And uh, brought him on down. Michael McDonald dug it. And that's why you hear is such a long way to go. It's a beautiful thing. It really is. And he's sassy. Mm-hmm. You know what else I hear in this song? I hear that back and forth piano. There's a lot of those little like two or three chord progressions that just kind of go back and forth in these yacht rocks. So we heard it a little bit in Heart to Heart. We're going to hear it some more. It's kind of called a bounce. And yeah, also, yeah. A bounce. And, and awesome it bounces con- between chords. Awesome congas in this too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. All right. So Champ. happy the song's on here. Yeah, me too. I really dig this one. The Champ is here. So Dave threw a bone to this. This is yeah. another repeat. I got a lot of repeats today. But Dave threw this one last time, and it's great, but I love it more than him, him clearly, because I chose it, mm. not Dave. Yeah, your love is purer. Also, <clears throat> it's not on the Bone Throw playlist, because 
Dave played the Bill Champlin version, so I'm going to play the version that's on Spotify, and this is from the Jay Graydon collection. I'm going to put, as we speak, I'm going to put this on the Yacht and Yacht All right. playlist. <clears throat> it's basically the same thing, uh, but now you can find it and listen to it, which is important because it's fucking magic. That Wait, was the that Yacht and Yacht problem. playlist or the Bone Throw playlist? You know what I mean. Thanks for correcting me, though, because people at home would be tearing their hair out without a yeah. will. That was, Hunter, that was my problem. I could only find the Jay Graydon version, uh, which I think was only released on a Greatest Hits album. Uh, but I had to order the Bill Champlin album from the internet, and it wasn't cheap. No, it's not. And uh, I'm glad you chose this one, because I really do dig it. I think this is a like a remix, because the vocals sound identical. Yeah. No, it's I, a demo. Oh, it is? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I think it came out on a like an 87 or a 92 Greatest Hits well, it made it, album. Well, it may have came out then, but it was recorded at the time. Yeah. He recorded the Champlin version after, but it was it was basically, Graydon was getting, so he was, yes, it was a Greatest Hits one, but he was, he was putting out the versions that he had the rights to so he redoes a lot of stuff on it um, and then he also he had this one lying around this was his so he put it out um, so the thing is this uh, that the opening lick is probably the yachtiest lick of all time it's not Lucatherian not a Lucatherian legend uh, but those are Lucathers uh, what? Go ahead. It's Gradonian. It's Gradonian. <laughs> yeah. no, the two great houses of Yacht Rock. Great Gradient? <laughs> God damn it, Dave. Gratient? Just roll with what I said. Uh, Keep talking your paragraph, Hunter. Uh, uh, usually they balance the song out from being too smooth, but uh, and the Lukather ones do, but the Graydon lick, it's right in the yacht pocket. Like, it fits in with the song perfectly. Uh Graydon said he wrote the lick, then the rest of the song fell in, in place. He describes Bill, the champ, as singing his ass off, which is the best description you can give the champ. He's he's nuts. He's clearly singing lead. He's doing the male background Wait, hold vocals. on. Hold on. I want, to tell you, I want to tell you something before you reveal this. I was, like, chatting with Hunter online, and I was like, the black ladies and the champ on this song are going off the rails. Yeah. They are going insane. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And those those ladies, uh, that the, the female falsetto background, those are the champlets. And they're credited on multiple albums. And and who are the champlets? You guessed it. Bill fucking Champlin. Because he's a champ. <laughs> There's nothing he can't do. Yes. Uh, Dave went over the personnel on the original, which is monster. Monster personnel. Uh, but... Uh, oh, and that opening riff, man. Mm-hmm. But besides Jay and Bill on this one, the only other person is likely David Hungate. Uh, Graydon couldn't remember. Um, regardless, the song has amazing energy, which is often lacking in Yacht Rock. And I think a, a, a reason why a lot of people confuse smooth with slow because mm-hmm. there's not enough of these sort of energy Yacht Rock songs in there. Um, which is, And that, that energy is a trademark of the champ. He has two speeds... Which are crazy nutso and sensuous beardo, beardo. <laughs> right now. Sensuous beardo, I like it. Right it's now me. he's being crazy nutso. Yeah. This is the same writing team, um, but Graydon, Champlin, and Foster, right? Yeah. And they they also did uh, turn your not turn your love around. Um, What's the Earth, Wind, and Fire song? After the love is after gone. the love is gone. Can you? I mean, listen to that sort of funk that's going yeah. there, that guitar like funk sound. Can you imagine if Earth, Wind, and Fire had taken a whack at this song? That would have been a fucking dong razor. Yeah. <laughs> they would have hit the ball. They would have hit the song out of the park yeah. with their boners. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I agree with that. <laughs> Listen to what I say. <laughs>
Hmm. Well, that bumper didn't work. Hmm. Um, it, should we just improv a bumper? Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Oh. That's right. Speaking of great I picked it. Foster. I picked it, you guys. I'm going to take us back to the very first bone throw in our very first podcast episode chosen by me. And I'm going to take an obnoxious amount of credit for digging this gem back up, no matter how many dance floors it clears in San Diego. Steve, I blame the dancers in San Diego. We did everything right. You're goddamn right, Dave. This is airplay with nothing you can do about it. I want to give you a lot of credit, too, because without you picking this song, we made... I personally would have never went down like the rabbit hole of Yacht Rock and looking at the personnel and finding out about Jay Graydon and stuff. If if we had gone with just like Dave's uh, yeah, my cannonball, cannonball run, run theme, yeah. oh man, this we'd be we wouldn't have made it. We'd be swimming in yacht. Twenty yeah. twenty episodes, we and then we would have canceled. We'd yeah. give up. <laughs> yeah, old man Farrell's coming down from his tower on high, pulling the plug. So thank you, Steve. I think I'm setting the goddamn tone. I think we can all agree that I, I wish that the Airplay album had had more. It felt more yacht rocky. The fact that there's too many slow ballads on it. There's too many two rocket bangers. But luckily, it has this it's song. perfect in betweener. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I re-listened to that first Bone Throw segment. We all did a lot less research on those early on because we didn't know the cast of characters we quite l- yet. We listed a lot fewer names. Yes, we did. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to run down the list of names. Uh, Airplay, of course, is David Foster and Jay Graydon, together with lead singer Tommy Funderburk. They did their one self-titled album in 1980. Four members of Toto are their backing band there. Jeff and Steve Picaro, Steve Lukather, David Hungate. There are also additional studio contributions from Ray Parker Jr. on guitar, Bill Champlin on background vocals, and Jerry Hay, who we recall from the Yacht Soul episode, together with the Sea Wind Horns, who came from the jazz fusion group Sea Wind, where ah. Jerry Hay started out. Ah. Uh, this song, uh, Jay, uh, Jay Graydon and David Foster co-wrote it with a third guy, a lyricist who we have not talked about yet. Uh, his name is Steve Kipner. He's co-written a few seemingly unconnected gigantic hits over the years, including Physical by Olivia Newton-John, which is one of the biggest hits in Billboard chart history. Uh, Hard Habit to Break by Chicago, Genie in a Bottle by Christina Aguilera, uh, a few others. Uh, Steve also had one solo album from 1979 called Knock the Walls Down, which has a pretty major credits list with a lot of the usual yacht suspects. It's Yacht Rock. And one of the most exciting things about Steve Kipner when I saw his name on there is I went, oh my God, we hang out with his daughter. Mm -hmm, Sort Uh, of. I've got chills because... I know the, a guy who wrote Nothing You Can Do About It's Daughter. Her name is Sophie. She's one of the most personable and nice people that I've ever met in Channel 101 circles. Yeah, she hosted one of the longest-running Channel 101 shows of all time, Everything. And, jeez, uh, of course she's so nice and personable. Her dad r- wrote this song, one of the most nice, personable songs ever made no, in Yacht Rock history. She's also an artist. You can check out her very unique and stylized work at sophiekipner.com. Well, she's not personal enough to personable enough to earn a plug. No, JD, I have one, and if enough people like them, mine will be worth a lot of money. Oh, I get it. I get it. It's like Trump. You're doing a Trump thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, inflating, inflating, and deflating stock prices via tweets. He's exactly. picking winners and losers over there. This guy. My money's on Sophie. 
So before Airplay released their album, the Manhattan Transfer, the jazz vocal group, actually recorded this song on their 1979 album, Extensions, Here which was produced what? by Jay Graydon, in which JD has queued up right now. Wait, did you just replay the same song? It sounds exactly the, the same. The arrangement oh. sounds very similar. Uh, they do replace the loop guitar solo with some outer space synth noises instead. <laughs> You don't want to get the jazz too rocking or the, the jazz bows are like, oh, oh my, what's that? <laughs> uh, it really ruffled some, uh, s- yeah, some you... stuffed shirts there. Mixed my metaphors. I also want to say this is two years before Airplay recorded Nothing You Can Do About It. This is the first ever recording of the song. Yeah, the vocals are a little more a, a little more assertive. They're fuller, which, which you would expect from a, a jazz vocal group. Um... I need to dig deeper into that Extensions album, which, just looking at the track listing, it has an a cappella version of Tom Waits' Foreign Affair. Uh, they cover the Weather Report song Birdland with Ooh. lyrics written specifically for them, uh, which won a Grammy for Best Jazz Fusion Performance Vocal or Instrumental. I looked a little deeper into the album, listened to it a little bit. Uh, there's a song called Wacky Dust about cocaine. Oh, yes. <laughs> there's some electronic... Even the jazz groups yeah. in 79 were doing cocaine. There's some electronic... Afrocadabra called Kukuyu and a song called Twilight Zone Twilight Tone where they bring lyrics to the Twilight Zone theme <laughs> something that no, nobody ever asked for Finally. But, yeah, this is an, it's an absolutely bonkers album both completely mind blowing and totally lame it's a <laughs> perfect Manhattan transfer album <laughs> I'll close with this fun fact according to a guy who's been running a David Foster fan site since 2002 Nothing you can do about it is Foster's personal favorite of his own compositions, <laughs> as well it should be. Makes yeah. sense. That's probably the song he plays when he uh, divorces his wives. Ooh, wow. <laughs> David Foster, yeah. You- what did I do wrong? I wanted, I wanted to work out, David! Well, you know how Nothing people, you can uh, do about it. You know how people always say, well, it is what it is. I get so fucking sick of that, but nothing you can do about it's become my own personal mantra when things aren't going my way. Mm-hmm. I got nothing you can do about oh, it. Oh, you singing at people? Yeah. Oh, hey, number eight, Toto, Rosanna. Hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. My musical taste started forming pretty early on, probably around four or five. Oh, excuse me for a minute. Excuse mm-hmm. me, excuse yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Bam, bam, okay, continue. Um... I really like Mac Davis um, marching around the living room to Macho Man. Kiss was very exciting, but one afternoon I went to the mall with my friends and his parents and I bought some records, which must have been with birthday money. But one of them was a 45 of Toto's Rosanna. I actually wore this record out. Granted, it may have been my shitty little portable record player, but nevertheless, I wore this record the fuck Was it out. one of those little Fisher-Price Yeah, things? It wasn't Fisher-Price, but it was a little blue plastic thing with a clip that you opened up and plugged in. Mm. Huh. A little record on it. But that was my first time hearing Toto, and it sparked something inside of me, and this would be the gateway to all my musical tastes, poppy and rocking. Yeah, we said it best in the Yacht Rock series. This is smooth music that rocks. And there's no doubt this is a rockin' jam. But listen to how smoothly the parts flow together. Yeah. That Jeff Vaccaro drum beat is relentless, smooth but firm. The Lukather guitar pops in seamlessly. Even the jarring parts before the chorus, where it gets all it jars you smoothly, rocks you gently. Yep. The only part of this song where the edges get sharp is in the Sean-esque Lukather solo at the end. But I ain't gonna complain about that. 
sometimes the yacht gets rocked, and this is the best example. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you were saying, there's so many parts to this song. And the fact that they all flow together so well makes me believe that this deserves to be mentioned among the greatest compositions in rock and roll. I mean, it's it's not Bohemian Rhapsody. It doesn't have the crazy arrangements of good vibrations, but I firmly believe it can hang in the next tier of miniature rock symphonies right underneath those two. Yeah, it has finger snaps in it. <laughs> and they had the balls to keep it under six minutes. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's just a powerhouse of a song. The music video has one of my favorite tropes, the unnecessary chain-link fence. <laughs> uh, it's used to give a sort of an urban edge on set, but it always makes it look like a cheap set. It also has Bobby Kimball on lead, and much like the Africa video, features him prominently. The song did really well despite this fact. <laughs> and Wait, Bobby you... Kimball or David Page? No, I think it was Bobby Kimball singing Bobby Kimball doesn't sing Africa. David yeah, Page David sings Page Africa. Sing well, it's the same one that's singing in the video. Okay, you know what? You're right. In the video, Bobby uh, Kimball is uh, the lead actor okay. in the video. Okay. He's playing the guy who okay. may or may not we be going to Africa. stumbled down the Dave Fax zone. <laughs> but my point is, if you look at the thumbnail of Rosanna on YouTube, you'll know exactly what I mean. Uh, Bobby Kimball, not a good-looking front man. Not a lead, not a lead man, yeah. yeah. Looks uh, looks like one of the uh, Apice brothers. Yeah. That's why they kicked him out of the band. It wasn't drugs. It was he wasn't cool enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, After, was in, uh, he was in SS Fools. <laughs> that guy's super cool. I don't know what you Well, that was enough to get him into Total. Oh, but okay. then once that SS Fools lure ran out, <laughs> kicked him to the curb. After um, Bobby Kimball left Toto, uh, he returned to being a session musician. And I didn't know this. He formed a trio with Michael McDonald and Bill Champlin. Damn. What were they called? I don't know, and I didn't research it because I want to find out more about it next season. Big Heads. McChampball. (laughs) Big Head McChampball. Total 4, one of my all-time favorite albums. I think it's flawless. Africa's a little silly, but I have... it's a great song. Yeah, it's really great. I have amazing memories of listening to this album with my friend Andrew Lynn in my studio apartment uh, the first time I lived in New York. That apartment was on Metropolitan and Wythe and Williams. Williamsburg, and it was key to Yacht Rock cementing itself in my life. But that, that apartment cost $900 a month in 2001. It's probably $3,000 a month now. Um, I bought my first Steely Dan album on the corner of Bedford and 7th. Uh, Tony Zarrett introduced me to the term smooth music at Rosemary's Greenpoint Tavern over 32-ounce styrofoam cups of beer. Yeah, you took us there. They yeah, have pierogies. Right. Yeah. They don't serve pierogies there. We brought you, pierogies yeah. in. So knock Williamsburg all you want. I had a lot of those beers. Williamsburg was key to this formation of the idea of Yacht Rock. So stop calling us hipsters. We are hipsters. <laughs> Continue to call us hipsters, but don't knock Williamsburg. Especially 2000 Williamsburg. Going back to the well on this one, I've said from day one that this... Earth, Wind, and Fires After the Love is Gone is the definitive Yacht Soul song. And I mean that literally because I said it in our very first episode. I went back and listened to that part. Um, because we've talked about it fairly recently and given a lot of fun facts, I want to try to explain what it represents to me. And please don't let me do a monologue if you feel like you have something to okay, add I have something to that the discussion. Did you listen to every single one of our episodes? Before no, I just listened to the airplay bit, and okay. I happened to mention <laughs> yeah. it in that very first okay. bone throw. Okay. 
Okay. Which I forgot that I did. Uh, now, I think Steve wrote that disclaimer because he wrote a full-page paragraph. I thought we were recording this episode this sooner than we did, so I just wanted to get everything down. I should Instagram what it looked like yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. No, no filter. Okay, go ahead, Steve. <laughs> okay, so anyway, after we did the Yacht Rock Internet show, people would always ask us if we really liked that music because on the surface it looked like we were making fun of it. Yes? Uh, yes? Did yes. you all get that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Steve, I got that from Steve Procaro. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he asked me... If do you hate us? <laughs> yeah, do you hate us? No. Sorry. But yeah, regardless of how these guys viewed themselves, at that time there wasn't really any other way to talk about this music because you had to acknowledge how it was popularly viewed, which was, you know, it's lame, it's wussy, it's bland, it's corporate. It's none of the things that the Rolling Stone magazine School of Rock Criticism would have you believe are important. Ooh, la la. You know, it's not, it's not edgy, it's not revolutionary, it's not going to change the world, man, like the 60s, man. Like, this, this music was potentially headed for the trash can of history as nothing but disposable fluff meant to soothe the lame adult boomers of its era as they slid into middle age and abandoned their idealistic dreams. That's uh, what I think. Do you guys... <laughs> am I off base? No, not at all. Listen, this is, the internet was a piece of shit in 2016. But one thing that's great about the internet is that we can be on the internet doing our stupid little show about yacht rock and, mm-hmm. and like, forgotten music that we think is great. And we can undermine, like, corporate rock and roll like Rolling Stone while also participating in doing a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame episode. Yes. But it's just great that, like, now with the internet that we can... We can do different kinds of musical criticism, find a niche, and really drive it home. That's great. Thank you for chiming in. <laughs> Continue your paragraph. <laughs> all right. So, anyway, the, the conventional wisdom about the, what this music was ignored all the craft and the technical skill that went into making it, which we've been trying to bring out as, as, as much as we talk about it on this show. Um, because too much rock criticism used to be about the cultural agenda or the self-image of the critic. And it wasn't until the 90s that I started to see reviews from places like the All Music Guide, where I ended up working, and the Onion AV Club that ignored that kind of thought and tried to listen to music on its own terms, figure out what the music was trying to do, judging how well it accomplished that goal. So you could have music that was allowed to be fun for the sake of being fun, or pleasant for the sake of being pleasant, or smooth for the sake of being smooth, or any other number of human emotions that, you know, idealistic 60s rebels aren't allowed to have because they're not going to change the world. There's also this idea of um, that music's only impactful if it's if it's hugely popular, that it has a cultural impact because of how how it connects to people. But that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy when they... You, when these mediums continue to talk about only the same music over and over again. Of course it's going to become culturally relevant. There's no alternatives. Yeah, like I remember in the 90s, Rolling Stone would run all these reviews of like anybody they recognized as being a big name from the olden days. Like Bob Dylan put out an album in 99, five stars. Yeah, yeah. oh God, every Neil Young album of the 90s, no matter how boring it was, they would give it five <laughs> stars because it was a statement on our times. Well, it's a, it's a whole different elitism group or this elite group of your peers. And it's like punk rock. Like You still have to be cool within that group of people that's trying to be on the outside and not having your own opinion. The opinion is within that that group, and you have to be cool and give Neil Young that, because the other elitists might judge you. Yeah, and you you know you want to talk about the goals behind this music and why it's interesting and important. It's because this music was made 
by the greatest, most talented, insane jazz rock and roll musicians at the time. Yeah, really highly trained yeah. guys who knew what they were doing. Yeah, and they weren't like, let's make a social statement. They were saying, let's push the envelope of what popular music can do and, and, exp and expand on it. We'll break the envelope and we'll make a new envelope. And they made some nutball songs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's And that's why, to me, After the Love is Gone is one of the pinnacles of Yacht Rock and Yacht Soul because... When Foster and Graydon and Champlin wrote this song, they didn't they didn't need critics to validate what they were doing musically. That validation came from the fact that Earth, Wind and Fire, one of the best, most influential, most versatile R and B and funk bands ever assembled, not to mention one that wrote most of their own material in house, heard their song and said, Holy shit, this is good enough for us to record. We need to make this our own. And it took them like six or seven tries to nail it in the studio, which is, you know, they're a really good band. And when it's that challenging, it really validates, you know, what you're, what you're, it, it's the triumph of the skilled craftsman is what it is. Yeah. This is a flawlessly executed song. It won Best R&B Song in 1981. The writers get the trophy for that category. So good job, Graydon Champlin and Foster. And rightfully, it also won, oh, wait, Best R&B Record? Oh, I'm getting these confused. I think because I wrote song for both of them. Well, everybody did a good job but, on this song. Also, Earth, Wind, and Fire got oh performance, best R&B performance. So Earth, Wind, and Fire they got a Grammy as well, and uh, it's a it's just perfectly conceived and executed. Everybody got a Grammy. Grammy made a Grammy made a great decision. Yeah, <laughs> Grammy for once. Job. Yeah. Uh, so Airplay uh, recorded this song on their album after the Earth, Wind, and Fire version became a huge hit, and it's a little bit stiffer in parts. Let me get into it. Deep inside we knew our love was true for a while. I don't think I've ever listened to that. That's Graydon, right? It's, it's probably their singer. Graydon's in Airplay, of course, but... Who's their singer? Ta uh, Tommy Funderburk. Oh. <laughs> That's right. But you, you can hear, like, the horn arrangement yeah. is still pretty much... It's, it's still Jerry Hay doing it, so it's got that, that same deceptively easy feel. Uh, they do replace Don Myrick's climactic sax solo with a uh, harmonized guitar solo from probably Steve Lukather, since he played on most of this album. All right, cool. But here's a little, a little taste of it for you. Oh, oh boy. Oh. Last time. We, guys, we made it. We made it to the 50th state. And now we have to live here for the rest of our lives. <laughs> mm -hmm. Do that last clap. Uh, where are we, Hunter? Oh, boy. Well, so, well, we get asked a lot if Sanford Townsend are Yacht Rock, and the answer is, why, yes. Yes, they are, fuckface. They came down the log line in Los Angeles, but before they got to the boat, they were in a band called Heart in their home state of Alabama, where it's illegal to flick a booger in the wind. <laughs> Alabama. Shouldn't you say Alabama? <laughs> Not yet. They play pianos in Alabama. Hunter, you led me down a really fun path, and I wish we hadn't. I wish we'd done this for everyone. The stupid laws of states. Uh, in Alabama, you aren't allowed to wear a fake mustache in church, only if it causes laughter. And putting salt on a railroad track is punishable by death. Alabama. Wow. Roll Tide. Yeah. Uh, so Ed Sanford is from Montgomery, and Johnny Townsend is from Tuscaloosa. 
Uh, they eventually got to the West Coast and wrote for Loggins and Messina, particularly the song Peacemaker. In 1976, they recorded Smoke from a Distant Fire at the famous Muscle Shoals, Shoals Studio in Bama. A uh, fact that most definitely will make a, a Southern Yacht show if it gets made. Uh, there's definitely Yacht Rock on this album, early Yacht Rock, um, and most of it has a distinct Southern R&B sound. It has that lovely Loggins-style syncopated lyric that I love so much. Right here it comes in the chorus. Just by the magic of the it's great. <laughs> like these guys are in sync with the harmonies in Logan's dreams. Did I ever say the name of this song? This song is called Starbright. Right there. Uh, it's off. It's off their often overlooked sophomore album, Duo Glide, from 1977. <laughs> it's my favorite. Which is, it's a bonanza of good time music making. Uh, you can hear how happy-go-lucky these fellas are. This is a great example of the Yacht Rock anti-fool, which is a stargazing simpleton. <laughs> I love this song, and it's definitely one of my favorite yachters. I, after I did the bone throws for Larson Featon Band and Nielsen Pearson, I was tempted to put these guys on to make it three double-name bands in a row, but I also knew that Hunter knew way more about them than I did, so I ah, just leave it for him. Would you have picked this song? I probably would have picked Smoke from a Distant Fire because it's the one that I know, but yes. we'll, we'll save that for Southern Yacht anyway. Uh, so Alabama, there's both music bands from there, mm -hmm. both Alabama and Alabama Shakes. Mm -hmm. They aren't ironic. Names. Clarence Carter and Nell Carter. Oh, Nell Carter. <laughs> man or Afro Man. Astro. Or Astro Man. <laughs> Afro Man, he's a different guy. Man or Astro Man. Uh, the Commodores, Drive-By Truckers, Gucci Mane, Emmy Lou Harris, Wilkes, Wilson Pickett, Tommy Shaw, Nat King Cold, Martha Reeves, Percy Sledge, Dinah Washington, and Sun Ra. Uh, Hank Williams, huh? uh, Jim Neighbors. Oh, that guy's got a gold voice. And I just want to say Muscle Shoals again because it was very important. Yes. Hey, you hear that, Maine? Alabama has a richer musical history than you do. Put down the lobster and foster some fucking artists. God, Maine. Yep. I got an email from somebody from Maine. God bless her. Very upset that we dissed her state and didn't really? come up with the many good artists from her state. But there's no good artists from Maine. Anyway, Alabama, listen... 50 states of 50 podcasts. That's it. Holy shit. We do, we, uh, do we talk about what we're yeah, doing next? Join us uh, season two for 50 songs from 50 soundtracks. It's going to be good. We'll talk about movies. We'll talk about music. It'll be another quick and easy one to research. But this time, driven by our passion for film. Rather than arbitrary ge geography yeah. that we're doomed. Get ready for a lot of Police Academy facts. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Fuck plug hole. Six. We got nothing to plug. Let's keep the countdown. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, man. God damn, just listen to this. So fucking. You know, good. you know this is Michael Jackson, Human Nature, of course. This yeah. this song might have never been. Steve Pacaro wrote this song, and he slipped it onto the B-side of a tape of demos that David Peach was sending to Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones said, hey, David Peach, make me a bunch of songs, and I want you, David Peach of Toto, to write me a bunch of songs. Nobody else. And Steve Pacaro slipped this song on the B-side, didn't label it, and Quincy Jones was listening to all of these David Peach songs, going like, I'm not into these songs, man. I'm, maybe I should 
Sinatra asked somebody else from Toto to do these songs. And then the, it flipped, an automatic tape flipper, because yeah. he was Quincy Jones, it was 1981, but he was fucking rich. And the tape automatically flipped, and all of a sudden, he heard this. And he was like, oh my god, this is awesome. Michael, we got a song. Get Steve Baccaro over here now. JD, so, mm-hmm. your impression was so fucking spot on, you almost fell out of your chair. I know. <laughs> just Multiple like, times. Just like Q would have. Um, so this guy, John um, Bettis, wrote the, these great lyrics, and a band made up of pretty much Toto with Michael Boddicker and Paulina DaCosta recorded it. The only reason the song was on the tape to begin with is because, um, what, who, who was it? Uh, Jeff? Steve. Steve Picaro. Uh, he was uh, recording his own stuff for Toto, and Q was asking for so much from David Page that he was, David, they were running out of tapes. So <laughs> oh, he man, took that's... the tape that this was on and mislabeled it, labeled oh. the B side A and the A side B. So it was never supposed to get to him. It was Jeff's own tape. David Steve. Page. Steve. Steve needed the t- David needed the tape to give to Q. Got it. Well, there we go. Got through it. <laughs> and who who of our generation doesn't love the shit out of Thriller? This album is burned into me. Yeah. So when we started doing the Yacht Rock series, I was so super excited to connect Toto tenuously to Michael McDonald. And honestly, I don't even remember how I got there. I think it was to do the Thriller episode because I discovered that Human Nature was basically a Toto song. Holy smoke. Yeah. Gold, gold, gold. I get chills thinking about how fun it was to come up with the stories connecting all these people. Yeah, that, that was one of the biggest revelations for me when we did the the original internet show is that Toto had such a heavy impact on this song. Yeah, they were no basically the band for Thriller. Yeah. 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 House band. Uh, and I've never heard warmer synthesizer than I hear in this song. And you know what? There's no bassist. All the bass is synthesized. The song brings me right back to how I felt when I was five, six, seven years old. I can remember sitting on my basement steps listening to this um, on one of those those tape recorders with the, the flip-up uh, where you put the tape in and it had a little slide-out handle. Yeah. It was the same tape recorder that I would hold up to the, uh, the TV if a song came on by, like, the Go-Go's. I'd push play and record, <laughs> oh. hold it up to the TV so I could listen to that Go-Go song hear, again. Hear that, FBI? <laughs> Old. <laughs> I, did not, I, did not, I did not distribute it without the express written consent of uh, the of record the label. Go-Go's. <laughs> the Go-Go's or Major League Baseball. I don't know. <laughs> it's a slippery slope. Thriller was actually the only album I owned as a kid, like the only like actual record LP, uh, because my parents bought it for me as a bribe after I agreed to try playing Little League. I don't think I even asked to own Thriller. It was just so big that they thought I should probably have it and know about it. Just like, how did, just like baseball was big and they felt you should probably play it. How did, yeah, I felt like I should try an athletic thing just to be well-rounded. How did Little League go for you? Oh, I was terrible. Did you play? Did you play a season? I played a few seasons. I played right field, which is where they stick all the worst kids. Yeah, in the yeah, league. yeah, yeah. Uh, I did at the bottom O'Neal of the order. Yeah. I'd, I'd never get drafted by the like the asshole coaches who had their kids on the team and just wanted to win right. titles. I never, uh, I never played baseball. Uh, I had a friend whose pants kept falling down because his belt broke the day of tryouts, and he got cast. They are cast. Oh, he got uh, put on the team because the coach thought he was retarded. Felt bad for him. <laughs> My buddy Jimmy. Bye. Marina Rock Jimmy. And then he created Marina Rock. <laughs> we call him Peanut. This is number five. I can't you told. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Did you make fun of me for telling stories about my brother? Yeah, but that was a good story. <laughs> uh, Sorry, Jimmy. This is Steely Dan's Asia coming at, coming at you. Number five. Um, in the great making of Asia DVD, you can see it on YouTube. 
Walter Becker describes this song as a journey through time and space, and Donald Fagan laughs because it's true. This is, this is a song that takes you on a crazy journey, on an album that takes you on a crazy journey, from a band that takes you on a crazy journey. This is hands down my favorite Steely Dan album, and I can't really pick a favorite off it, so why not choose the title track? Uh, my friend Mark was the first peer who played Steely Dan for me in high school before I was ready for it. And I called it too depressing. Like, give me my REM. Yeah, because um, they might <laughs> be sorry. pretty cheerful. They're happy. Well, listen. Shiny, shiny happy people. Happy. That's that was, the one. That was what I was into. Um, so Mark had great taste in music. It was always gr great jazz, Steely Dan, but I was never ready for it because 70s music at that point in my life reminded me of like this depressing, smelly cabin that my parents would bring me to every weekend that I was allergic to. It was terrible. There was no Nintendo, only antenna TV. The only entertainment was an 8-track player. We had some good 8-tracks. I got into uh, Steve Martin's Let's Get Small album. Oh, yeah. 8-tracks. So Comedy 8-tracks were the best. Yeah, and... Um, I think the Doobie Brothers Minute by Minute was one of them, I don't remember, but I have this association of just being wet and cold and gray when it comes to like the music that we now know as Yacht Rock. Did your parents stay there, or they just dropped you off? <laughs> they dropped me off. Yeah. We're going drinking. Yeah. <laughs> hey, JD. Time to go to the cabin. Is, is that where <laughs> All we're, right. We're going to have some wacky dust out in the lab later. <laughs> Don't answer the door. Is that where we shot uh, Yacht Rock 6? That's where we shot Yacht Rock 6. Okay. Yeah, at that cabin. That smelly cabin. It doesn't smell as bad now. Yeah, yeah. I didn't remember the odor there. I, uh, I I was also introduced to Steely Dan before I was ready for them. Uh, it was when I was working at the All Music Guide and... All the guys a few years older than me were constantly forcing it on all of us. I was still getting into all the edgy underground indie stuff that record store clerks used to shame people, so I couldn't stand it. The only thing that would make me request it was when they switched to Christopher Cross. And we were like, oh, God, God can, we, can you just put on Ricky Don't Lose That Number for the tenth time today instead of this? I, I got my first Steely Dan album. Uh, it must have been in high school. Uh, but they had a cool name, and the title of the album was The Royal Scam. And the album cover looked like it was a metal album. And I got it, and I put it on, and I was like, what the fuck is this? I'm the one who got scammed. If, you're one, if you ever want to be scammed like that, there's an album, probably a lot of people have seen it, but it's by a band called Axe. It's got a sweet Viking on the cover, and then you listen to it, and it's like jazz. <laughs> there's a genre somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, obviously, like... This 70s music has turned around for me, and I can, Obviously. Yeah, um, I can sense the passion, joy, and exuberance that went into creating songs like this. Um, when one of the three guitar players in this song, the Steely Dan guitar regular Denny Diaz says, It's weird to have a song on a rock album that you can't play on guitar. That has got to be an incredible piece of music. When it challenges the people playing it, it's going to be a challenge to the listener. And Steely Dan can challenge you with music that feels unchallenging. It goes down smooth and easy. You don't realize that your mind has been blown. Were those whistles? Yeah. Yeah. Well, somebody, what? somebody called a foul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was probably Donald Fagan. Somebody was like slightly off key. Um, but this is Yacht. When you buy a yacht, you're slinging around capital, showing off the best you can get with the means you have. Steely Dan's creative capital was so immense. When they needed a saxophone player for this song, they said, hey, let's get the guy who John Coltrane suggested replace him in Miles Davis's band. Wayne Shorter. Yeah, I guess, he'll, I guess he'll do. He'll do. <laughs> yeah. If Donald Trump could plate his apartment with a saxophonist, it would be Wayne Shorter. <laughs> 
<laughs> I actually know nothing about Wayne Shorter. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a music expert. I just play one on this podcast. But I do know that this solo is transcendent. And the reason is that the guy playing it, the sax on this one, is one of the best of all time. I'll, g- I'll give you a quick little rundown of Wayne Shorter. He had a bunch of great albums on Blue Note in the 60s. Um, here it comes. Mostly doing uh, complex, cerebral, post-bop type jazz. Uh, then he co-founded Duh. the fusion group Weather Report <laughs> that uh, we've already discussed in relation they're, to They're no trap expert. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he was in Weather Report for about 15, 16 years. In the 80s, he did some like smooth jazz fusion-type albums that it's very hard to find critical assessments of because most jazz critics don't give a shit about them. Very interesting. The 80s smooth jazz stuff. Yeah. Right? yeah. this one again. <laughs> hey guys! Oh god, I can't Let's believe Let's talk about this. how awesome Toto's Africa is. It's a great song. Even though we just talked about it recently. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, I'm going to name it. Like, uh, my brothers what? and I, we were we were hanging out and we did, the, we did this. We drunk wait, karaoke. Oh, wait. You're being Dave? Yeah. Talking about your brothers? Yeah, I'm name no, dropping my friends. No, my, no, but, my, but, my buddies. No, no, I would mention them by name. Yeah. Steve just tells a boring story about his family. This my my, my buddy, good, my though. brother Jason. <laughs> there you go. My buddy yeah, Jason who's also my brother and my brother Ryan who's also my buddy there you go we, uh, we a lot drunk- of times you have to say the embarrassing thing and then reveal their name at the end too. we drunk karaoke this song at my sister's wedding along with our buddy Scott he's he's, all, he's not my brother just just our buddy mm. and uh, and it was awful because this song has a lot of complex harmonies that are very intricate and also none of us can sing and we were drunk and then we tried to give a raccoon peach schnapps and then, and then our pants fell down all of our pants fell down at the same and time everybody thought we were and then we farted. <laughs> it was hilarious. Classic. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I've never brought up my brothers on this podcast until now. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> By just saying brothers, you brought them up. You brought them up. That's it. Um, I think, even though I shouted out Heart to Heart earlier... I think that this was the best Yacht Rock song that we did not feature in the web series. Yeah, I don't even think we used a snippet of it in the score. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of too recognizable. It takes you out of the moment. Uh, this was Toto's, fun fact, this was Toto's only number one single because Rosanna spent five weeks at number two but never cracked the top spot. I guarantee you a Thriller song was blocking them. A song that Toto played on it, but they were clock, cock blocking themselves. Clock blocking. Yeah, they all clock blocking. They all clock block. Get that clock out of my face. I will when it's twelve fifteen. Oh know. man, I was gonna get laid at like twelve ten. That was a terrible clock blocking. Joke. A terrible joke. No, Listen, let's let's run with it. Hold on, 50, <laughs> 50 episodes in, and we're really getting good at our yeah. improv. I was yep. watching that. I was waiting to jump in. Yeah. To no win. Yeah, you were paying attention. You're going on. You guys are on fire. Yes, and you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll jump back to my fun facts. There we uh, go. The bassist on this studio recording is David Hungate. He's but good. The bassist in the music video is Mike Percaro, who replaced Hungate when he left the band in 1982, shortly after the Toto 4 album was completed. Yeah, he thought they were what getting too big, and he wanted just to kind of do his own thing. He right? wanted to go back to his farm and hang a gate, yeah. live up to his name. Yeah. <laughs> 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 on fire. 
Oh, wow. Hanger Gate. Guys, I made a list of rappers who have sampled this song. Oh, good. Among these rappers are you like lists of names: Wiz Khalifa, Ja Rule, uh -huh. Nas, Exhibit, and Rich Homie Quan. He's a newer guy that I'm not that familiar with, but I do know that it takes balls to make your rap name Rich Homie Quan before you've gotten rich. It's like the Chicago Bears recording the Super Bowl shuffle before they even made the playoffs, let alone the Super Bowl. Oh, Steve, if you want to get uh, knocked out of the park with a sport. And music trivia, Rich Homie Quan helped Michigan State win the Rose Bowl. Oh, how yeah, did you look do that? that up. I, they just started dancing to his song at the end of every game. Oh, okay. And it got him so pumped up, he just that showed won up. the Rose Bowl. And, they, and he just kept showing up. Uh, sorry, Dave. Africa. We're from Michigan. Uh, I'm really excited. The college I went to won a game. Years a couple years ago. ago. Yeah. I remember. My mom called me to tell me. And oh, I no stop talking about no sports, idea Dave. what she God. was talking about. He just wanted to drop his mom. Yeah. <laughs> my buddy, my mom. Yeah. Uh, my friend Pierce Brosnan and I were talking about it, and we think you're dumb. Uh, Africa was number 32 on the British Music Magazine, the New Musical Express, a.k.a. NME. Uh, their 2012 list of songs with the most explosive choruses. It was number 32. Number one was Oasis, Don't Look Back in Anger, to give you some context. Yeah, that's a good one. Mm. Uh, Dave owns a picture disc single of Africa, and you can see what it looks like on the Wikipedia entry for this song. One of the many gems from my picture disc section of my record Wait, collection. Wait, does, does it look like Africa? Yes. Oh. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck spoilers. What a great song. I'm glad we revisited this. And we had a lot to say about it. All right. That's nice. Here's my, uh, my next rerun on this, uh, on this old show, My Favorite Yacht. Uh, this is uh, song number three. These are those Pointer Sisters uh, with He's So Shy. Uh, I was in love with this song ever since it made the Women of Yacht episode, and I believe it's quintessential Yacht Rock. Uh, you can hear that danced-up doobie, um, and I'm a huge Pointer Sisters fan. Automatic is one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, uh, and then the same thing with Neutron Dance. But I'd argue... And I'd also argue that the song Excited is a Yacht Rock song sped up. Listen to it. I swear to God, it's a Yacht Rock song sped up. Yeah, but so this... buy, the, uh, buy the 45 and play it on 33. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Were you going to say the same thing? Yeah. yeah. Look at that. I'm going to totally do that. Um, but, this is their, this is, but this is their Yacht Rock song. Well, and they have a few other ones, but this is my favorite Yacht Rock song of theirs. And like I said before in the other episode, they stayed fully in the yacht pocket, resisting the urge to rush it. Because you can totally hear a lot of their songs are really danced up, really going. Mm -hmm. This one... It's, it's really laid back. It keeps the doobie bounce. It keeps that yeah. what a full blues yeah. pace. It's got a little bit of that back and forth. It's it's not quite as back and forth in the synth riff, but it's got that same feel to it. Um, and lyrically, this song's definitely about a fool. He's too shy to talk to this lady who clearly likes him. Get over it, fool. This lady would like you to point her. Get it? Point yeah. her, sister? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, it is boner. Yeah, but actually, it ends well for him. These two are banging hard by the end of the song, and she still loves him for being shy. Aww. It's very adorable, this song. So the first time I wrote about this song, we really hadn't gone down that rabbit hole of, uh, of Yacht Rock. Um, I mentioned Cynthia Wheel. Wow. 
Wheel? Vile. 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 Right. That's the exact same. Yeah. But I, I, I did not mention Yacht Soul's Michael Boddicker on synth programming or Paulina DaCosta on those oh-so-important percussion thingies. Um, also, Tom Snow co-wrote and is on keys, and he's got a little bit of Yacht Rock cred working with Loggins and the kind of Yachty Leo Sayer. Um, I love the contrast of this song between the dr- digital drum beats and the, and almost hand claps with Paulino's analog congas. And your, your theory is that percussion is important. It's very important. Yes. That's a theory. Um, so I just imagine in a room this being like a Kasparov versus Deep Blue, where <laughs> where Polina DaCosta is trying to out-rhythm a computer and out-time it <laughs> until one short circuits and it just ends in a draw. I bet uh, the computer lost. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course the computer lost. <laughs> also, we never really talk about, I mean, we, we briefly talk about harmonies, um, but those background harmonies are super important in Yacht Rock. Um, and they're done with extreme p- precision, like Asia had the. Um, but the Pointer Sisters, they're like built in, like pr- uh, precise harmonies. Like that's that's their thing. So they're the perfect band for that. Um, I didn't have a ton of stuff, but I also another reason I wanted this is uh, I wanted to get some women on this countdown because yeah, we uh, it's often a male-dominated genre. And, uh, you know, we did a show about it. Let's bring one back. That's what I did. Great. Good work. All right. There's those hand claps. Yep, more hand claps. There's a handful of songs off Jay Graydon-produced Al Jarreau albums that I could call my favorite Yacht Rock songs. And I've talked about a lot of them on this podcast, but I've been holding this one in my back pocket for some reason. This is Trouble in Paradise. By Al Jarreau. This is just some great yacht rock. Yachty chord phrasings and just a cool, gentle vibe. There's production elements that would sound right at home on Thriller. This is so 1982. This is what 1982 sounded like. Those (laughs) hand claps, those fucking hand claps. Sweet George and Richard, those hand claps. Yeah, they're great. This song's been stuck in my head for months. I just the chorus goes around over and over. When it sounds like a trouble in the paradise, is that where it comes? Here it comes. Here it comes. When it looks like a trouble in the paradise, is that why you've been smiling with your mouth open for (laughs) months? Yeah, I've been thinking about that song. Yeah, just look at the smile on this. The album Mm -hmm. cover. His smile comes from here to the other side over there. This is from the Draw album where it's just a big. It's just a big close up of his, of his face. Yeah, yeah you can put it's all it's all smiles. If your friend's ever being shitty, you can just make him put that album in front of his face, so you yeah. feel like you have a good friend in yeah. the room and a handsome friend. Um, Listen to that back and forth piano there too in the chorus. The lyrics in this song are so great. When you're burning love as cold as ice, go out and find a flame so you can warm it up again. It's great advice. There's no reason to throw away love just because things have slowed down. Finding a reason to bone your lover on the reg again is much easier than going out and finding a new lover. Am I right, boys? Yeah, you're right. And as a side note, I've always wanted to play the nosy horn dog neighbor on a sitcom. Like the guy who sticks his head in the window when the main couple is fighting, like figuring out how to find ways to bone again. I'm the guy, I want to be the guy who sticks his head and goes, uh-oh, Trouble in Paradise? But now, because of this song, you could say, 
Well, it looks like a tumbling paradise. <laughs> yeah, you could play a Jamaican like in your uh, Starburst commercial. <laughs> um, Thank you for getting the candy right. Everyone always says Skittles. Ah, uh, fuck Skittles. They taste the same. Yeah. One's just crunchy. It's all garbage. Um, fuck you, Mars and Mary Corp. So, uh, I actually listened to a Jay Graydon interview for the first time ever to research this song. And the first thing I learned was that Jay got the gig producing Al Jarreau albums when David Foster was asked to do it, and he kicked it down to Jay. And Jay Graydon also says Cadillac, which is common of musicians of this time. Oh, yeah, I can dig it. I love that. Uh, back when we were doing the, uh, the Yacht Rock uh, show, like, not the musicians themselves, but, like, their like entourage or their whatever but and it, Jimmy Messina's guitar tech contacted us do you guys remember this or tell me and he was talking about yeah we watch your videos before our concerts we don't show them to the musos I love that they refer to all the musicians as the musos but that's one of those cool like cat kind of things did anybody watch roadies on Showtime with Cameron Crowe have no, this character call them musos uh, I don't know mm. anyway Jay Gray I heard the locations were great did you work on it? No, but my friends. Oh, do. okay. His friends. Wait, Steve. Your buddy. Your buddies. Who? Yeah. Uh, my buddy Carter. Anyway, thanks, John. Carter. Jay Grain worked hard to get singers uh, to singers to to work on both pitch and to have their vocal performance have a nice feel. He worked his singers to the bone, but as Jay tells all his people, you listen to this stuff. 20, 30 years, and it still holds up, and I'd say it does. I get very excited listening to this Al Jarreau Golden Years shit. Oh, and as a bonus, quick bonus, if uh, you get a chance, check out the video for Boogie Down. It's just Al lip-syncing to the song while doing a photo shoot for the album. It's good. Yeah, it's, so it's good. real good. It's really hot. <laughs> and just, um, just to show you how magical his scats are, when the scat part comes in the song, he has to turn his back to the camera because he can't recreate what it did in the scat's lip syncing. Yeah, I got, a, I got an Al Jarreau scat bone throw coming up. I'm really excited about it. Can't I love wait. it. If we get picked up again. Right. Fingers crossed for renewal. One. Oh. Ah, what a oh. surprise. No. It's not Mariah Carey. Uh, I get, what a fool is surprised. A fool would be surprised that this was number one. I guess I'm the fool. Um, that's a real grand piano to, teaming up with a synthesizer in the opening. It's like the future shaking hands with the past in a really weird way. Piani and synth. Yeah! Agents. It'd be a good show. It'd be a show I'd see. And I fucking hate it when you two say piani and I look, forward, I, I look forward to hearing you say it constantly now that I've brought up I, I hate You know, it. I would have preferred the Looney Tunes silly pronunciation of piano, which is when Yosemite Sam says, Piana. I, I would like, have preferred Piana. I yeah. like saying but things Yosemite the wrong Sam way. can do no wrong. Exactly. I like saying things the wrong way, like fluter. It's flute tutor. Or porcaro. It's percaro. So listen, guys, this is our consensus 100 on the Yatsky scale, right? This, yeah. This is the Yacht Rock song to, the begin, to begin the conversation about Yacht Rock. Yeah, this, is what, this one's perfect. It has everything. It has those unexpected twists and turns in the melodies and the harmonies. It's got the blue-eyed soul influence. It's got all those little detailed ear candy yeah. bits in the arrangement. It has surprising danceability. Try it on the dance floor, just like we did at my sister's wedding with my buddy, my brothers. <laughs> and it's got that back and forth piano riff that, I'm sorry, the back and forth piano riff that at least 100 imitators ripped off. Oh, you're pushing our buttons. <laughs> <laughs> who, uh, 
<laughs> it's a really funny to say it. I forgot because I'm laughing too hard. Who wrote this? Michael McDonald and Kenny Loggins. Oh, boy. Oh, there you so go. it does have everything. It's got yeah. fools. It's got Oh, I doobies. remember what I was going to say. It's got Loggins. Webster's Dictionary. Just the definition of Yacht Rock is just a photograph of this song. <laughs> What's it look like? I want to des- describe a photograph. You gotta look of this it up song. for yourself, man. Let that joke land, man. Just let that joke lie, man. I'm you sorry. Cat. You have some crazy to cat. It. I'm sorry. Just let that joke lie. Yeah, cat. I can dig it. Yeah, right. come on. Let's talk about those musos. Let's talk about the musos. <laughs> Here's what the musos are up to. Michael McDonald had been noodling with this melody for years before he finally hooked up with the log to get it done. They finished the song over the phone, all good, super casual, no big deal. Uh, it just came together smoothly like that. But then the doobies had to record it. And this song took between 50 and 60 takes to record. Damn. That's, it's massive. It took days and days and days. They just couldn't get it right. There were piles of two-inch tape that lured it over the studio, all reminders of the utter failure that had been so pro- the utter failure had been to properly record this on-paper genius of this song. And finally, when everyone was exhausted, after they had expunged all their creative energy and still hadn't nailed it, when they were ready to quit, producer Ted Templeman said, and I'm paraphrasing, quit? That's what a fool believes. Give me the chorus from Real 20 Blap and the verse from Real Blap Teen. They had nailed it in pieces without realizing it, and luckily, old Ted had been paying attention. Yeah, that, and that's one of the things that we keep trying to get across about true yacht rock is you don't understand how complex and difficult it really is until you try to actually perform it. Like, it even gives Earth, Wind, and Fire trouble. Yeah, which is one of the many reasons simple songs like Brandy or the Pina Colada song just aren't aren't yacht. They're yes. just simple little ditties. That's great. That's perfect. Yeah. And they can be great songs, but yeah. they're not yacht songs. Exactly. Yeah, you can hear the care that they put into this song. Once you hear the story of how many takes and how many failures it took to get this song right, it suddenly all makes sense. I've listened to this song hundreds and hundreds of times while writing and editing Yacht Rock for my own personal pleasure, and I have never, ever, ever gotten sick of it. It's like Jay Graydon said about why he worked so hard to get technically correct, yet pleasurable performances. Uh, So their work becomes timeless, and this is a timeless song. And that may be why we love Yacht Rock so much, because of the timeless quality that comes with care and dedication to a craft. Mm -hmm. Any failures I have in life, I always default to, well, I didn't try hard enough. I wasn't self-critical enough. But sometimes it's, I don't have the talent, but I try not to go there. That's a dark place to be. But with people who make Yacht Rock, it almost feels like hard work, self-criticism, and talent are sewn into their skin. It drives great, great work worthy of close inspection. And we're lucky enough to have created a reality for ourselves, the four of us here on this podcast, where um, as a satisfying hobby, we get to obsess and worship this music that those who came before us put so much care into but had rarely seen the full rewards for it, unless you like like massive hit songs and Grammys and stuff. <laughs> um, but What a Fool Believes is a weird, it's normal, it's specific, it's universal, it's all things at once. Uh, it's music. Yeah. 
It's music. Yeah, but how fucking great is it that the four of us get to sit around and talk about this once a week? For public consumption. Yeah, I mean, know. it's great that people are listening, but I have a feeling we'd be here anyway. There wouldn't be a studio. We'd be sitting in one of our living rooms. It'd be record club night yeah, or whatever. But I'm just, I'm glad I get to sit around and oh, God. talk about music with my best friends. So I'd be at home. 50 episodes. Thank you, guys. Stewing. Let's do 50 more. All right. Yeah. Um... What are ridiculous predictions about what the future holds? I have some ridiculous predictions. Okay, I figured out what all of our solo podcasts are going to be after success goes to our head and my weird-ass future girlfriend breaks us up like the Beatles. (laughs) So... Well, we sure all know be weird. Her name will oh, be yeah, yeah. Yoko. Go, oh yes. And I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad you compared us to the Beatles. Oh yeah, you know, it's the Fab Four. Oh Jesus. So Christ. we all know JD's solo podcast is gonna be called Hat Gassip. Mm-hmm. Hat Gassip. Yeah, it's gonna be a huge hit because it's gonna be JD saying Hat Gassip Podcast over and over again. Kanye West and Kim Kardashian done it again. <laughs> they but, went and caused a ruckus that the tabloids are covering all day long. <laughs> So I'm correct on that one. <laughs> now the rest of us are going to have a tougher row to hoe. Hunter, I figured out uh, your show is going to be Never Forget with Hunter Stare. You're going to read off every credit in the All Music Guide database. It's going to take. I don't use All Music Guide. You're going to read all those Discogs. credits though because it's Discogs. The, oh, okay. Dis- all right, we'll make it Discogs then. You're going to still going to read every credit. And you, and you know what the beauty is? Is that every time I find somebody and I click it, it changes the blue uh, link right. to purple. Yeah. And Just so n- never clear your browser history. I don't. And so when it, when an album pops up, it's already it's already uh, color coded as the people who are yacht right. Yeah, that happens for me too. Oh, yeah. it's fucking it's beautiful. So I'm 100% right on that one. No, all it's right. a Miami Vice podcast, Steve. I've talked about it all the time. <laughs> So, and then we got uh, Casual Libel with Dave Lyons. <laughs> this is going to be a show. This is going to be a show where Dave tells all the worst, most sordid stories he can remember about bad celebrity behavior, but confuses the names of the people who committed those acts. And every episode ends with him getting served with a lawsuit stemming from last week's episode. That sounds like a companion uh, show to Hot Gas. Yeah. <laughs> We're going over to the libel corner with Casual Dave. <laughs> <laughs> What unsubstantiated rumor of some sort of child rape do you have today, Dave? Turns out Ed Furlong showed his penis oh, to a nun. All right. Oh wait, that was that was somebody else. Oh no, it was a chick, and it was uh, that was boyfriend. the other guy from Terminator Two. Uh, okay, listen. Wait, I got mine too. Oh, last oh, yeah, but not oh, yeah. least. Sorry, I forgot about you. Last but not least is the Hollywood Steve Improv Hour. <laughs> yep. Every every episode I have a different improv troupe in the studio and they sit quietly while I read a pre written essay. <laughs> and at the end they all tell me it was perfectly done and they had nothing to add. Perfecto. Yeah. Yep. That all makes sense. Uh listen, we're gonna take a couple weeks off. We've been working hard this year, working yeah. our balls off. Uh, but we have a bunch of yacht or not, yacht or yachts to keep you company while we're gone. We'll be releasing about two a week if we can. Uh, but Depending on how many we got yeah. done. We'll be back on January 12th with, I don't know, it's yeah. too far away. Yeah. But change. we will see you guys soon. Thank you for making our podcast awesome. Happy New Year. In don't drink and drive. Uh, so find all of these Our Favorite Yacht Rocks uh, by following J.D. Riznar on Spotify. Go to YachtRock.com to buy t-shirts, read the Captain's blog, and see show notes by Tim Malcolm. 
Follow Tim on Twitter at Timothy Malcolm for fun facts. Send questions via Twitter at Yacht Rock. Follow JD at JD Riznar. Follow Hollywood Steve at Hollywood Steve H. Follow Dave at David underscore B underscore Lions. Follow Hunter at Hunter Stare. Like Yacht Rock on Facebook. Rate and review us on iTunes. Your reviews help us pick up heat. So please take the time today to write us a review. Thanks to uh, Hunter Stare for number 12 and 11 on the countdown. Uh, the fart noises. Yep. And thanks to Raleigh Hatch for the rest of them for sending those bumpers. Good old Raleigh Hatch yeah. came at us again. Uh, additional bumpers by Rob Crow or, and, no, what? Theme. Theme by Rob Crow and Mark Rivers. Thanks to producer Dustin Marshall. Thanks to engineer Matt Brousseau. Brousseau. He's French. It's yeah. a French name. Not, I thought it was Italian. Not Italian. Not from Italy. Check out other Feral Audio podcasts at feralaudio.com. Feral Audio.